Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hello there, everybody. Yes, you didn't hear the melodious tones of Casey Lydon chanting mixed martial arts over and over again. But we are here. Mixed the UFC martial is back arts. In the Sunshine States, they returned to O-Town. I guess in the early 1900s, the city was called the City Beautiful, and apparently that name has continued on. UFC Orlando going down tomorrow night featuring one of the friendliest freaking main events at least in terms of Bill, that we have seen in quite some time. We welcome you to the UFC Orlando preview show on MMAfighting.com. I am Mike Heck. That is Alexander Kaylee. Hello, AK. Hey, guys. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about this card that I, I won't be watching live. Speaking of people not watching it live, what that you is doing? Mr. No Gray Area, Jed Bashu. Hi, friends. How are you, Jed? You know, excited to talk about a... It's getting better. We're only at 14 fights, so this card is Im- actively improving. Yes. AK, what are you doing that uh, is making you not watch fights just, just so, Just yep. family, friend thing, family, social time. Just, you have I friends? I, I have people I have acquaintances. I thought you had us. Uh, yeah, I mean, you guys are my real friends. These are people These are people I just like. It's all <laughs> politics. It's all politics. You know, I got to go show up. I got to kiss some babies. You know how it is, guys. You know how it is. You get to keep to keep the gears moving in your life. Hey, that's how it goes. Kiss some babies, shake some hands. It's reasonable. Yeah. I mean, listen, we have lives outside of MMA, and that's okay. But this is the last fight night card of 2022 in front of a big crowd. There will be one more. Is that true? Oh, in, front in front of a big of, crowd. In front of a crowd. Got it. Okay. They're back at the the greatest apex in the world. On December seventeenth, the apex, the apex, some have, the have apex, some have apex. But this is the go home show for UFC two eighty two. We now have fourteen fights. If you guys didn't know, Amanda Hebas versus Tracy Cortez no longer taking place on the card. Medical issues for Tracy Cortez per the UFC, so that fight no longer happening. As Jed said, down to fourteen fights. 
We have ranked guys and gals on the card. We have Viley veterans. We have intriguing prospects. A main event with at least some stakes with guys we all know. AK, we'll begin with you. You know where I'm going with this. Gymnastic score for UFC oh, Orlando. This, the people all want to know. This could be a nine. I mean, this could be a nine, 9.1, 9. We're talking pay-per-view level if this pays off. Now, I, I do think on paper... And this is something that sort of like I thought about when I was looking at how I was like, oh, they're going to try and cram like eight. Well, they were originally going to be nine. Excuse me. Um, it was going to be nine fights into the seven to seven p.m. Eastern time to 10 p.m. Eastern time window. And I'm like, that's a little crazy, especially since there's a lot of decision potential. Not that decisions like are inherently bad. Um, like, you know, Clay Guida and Scott Holtzman could go to a decision, but it could be a fun decision. Um, Darren Elkins, Jonathan Pierce could go to a decision. It could be a fun one. But but. You know, generally, I know, I know. If we're talking about like the rating of a card, we like to have some some finishes thrown in there. Uh, and I'm just looking up and down. I think this is, I think there's going to be quite a few decisions. I would say more decisions than um, than finishes. But I just still like the potential of it. I like that there are the name value of it. Um, I like that there are rankings implications. Of course, we're talking about the MMA fighting global rankings. We've got like seven or eight people in there, uh, three or four like, top ten fighters, I think. Um, and some of those are on the prelims, so that's exciting. It's, I, I like the way the card is built, Mike. Um, I was telling Jose earlier today that I like how you've got you've got sort of the the lesser known or debuting fighters in the first few fights. Then you've got the a run of lifers. You've got Darren Elkins, Michael Johnson, Clay Guida, Angela Hill, which I think they have a combined like a hundred and twenty something UFC fights between the four of them. It's insane. Uh, then a great bang with Nico Price, Phil Rowe. Um, and the main card. The main card really strong, too. A little confused why Ty and Sergey Pavlovich isn't the co-main. Though, um, you know, big respect to RDA. Big respect to Byron Barberina there. So strong main card. Uh, really well-organized prelim. Let's go. Let's say 9, 9.2. 9.2 of everything goes right. We get a good mixture of exciting fights and finishes. Are you around there, Jed? I mean, there is a lot to like here. Uh, especially for a fight night card. I mean, this one compared to the most recent fight night card we had, holy moly, this is night and day, is it not? Yeah, New York Rick's an asshole is is how okay. I'll start this off by saying <laughs> he's right and it ruined it for me. Because yesterday on BTL, I was very high. I was like, yeah, it's a good card. I'm excited. We've got some fun things happening, yada, yada. Uh, my only downside to the car is that it's 15 fights long and it starts in the, at the late hours of the evening. So you're going to be watching fist fights for 127 hours on Saturday. And then Rick got on and was like, this is a fine card. It's not good. It's not bad. It's fine. This is, this is what we used to get all the time. And now because our apex cards are just awful, we are glowing about this. And I thought about it and he's right. And it's ruined it for me because this is a fine card. Like this is, there's nothing wrong with this card. This is one of the better offerings we've gotten in months, frankly, from a fight night card. But this isn't something that this is not appointment viewing. Uh, this is not the normal fight card where I'm like, hey, you don't watch. Just go to MMAfighting.com. Great website. We'll cover you. You can get the highlights. You can check out the big fights later at your leisure. You don't have to spend all day in front of the TV. Totally cool. I would even suggest if you got nothing else to do, watch this fight card. A lot of quality fights. You're getting tied to Ivasa on, on ESPN, baby. That's that is high quality entertainment value for money. But there's still 14 fights, which is an awful lot of them. And as much as it's it is largely a well-constructed card, that it's just like, I don't know. 
do I need to see this many octogenarians fist fight on Saturday? Because there are a bunch of old mother effers on this card, man. Steven Thompson is for Wonder Man 40. Uh, RDA is, is not 40, but he's like 38 going on 107. Uh, I mean, Eric Anders has lived many lives uh, and, and hasn't looked young in the UFC in some time. And then you get the stretch of Angela Hill, Clay Guida, and Scott Holtzman are old. Michael Johnson's old. Darren Elkins is super old. Like, it's just, it's fine. It's a, it's a quality card. This is an eight. 80 you know if we're we're doing the what 9.2 is ak give me an eight point something somewhere in the middle ranges of eight uh because there are enough touch points to be good i'm stoked i will you're gonna give me tied to ivasa find a dude who's just gonna chuck them with them hell yeah baby sign me up but there is it's less good than i think we all want it to be but it it, it is just so much better than what we've been gotten that we are feeling this feels like filet mignon when really this is like skirt steak, but we've been eating dog food for the year. So it's like, hell yeah, this skirt steak rules. Uh, a couple of things there. I noticed you said 127 hours of fights. And I wonder if you, did you pick that number? Because like by the time you're in the middle of uh, Matthias Nicolau outpointing like Matt Schnell, you're, you're going to be wanting to chop your own arm off. That, I did. Was that, was that an intentional 127 hours reference? Maybe subconsciously because it's, it's <laughs> that was amazing. Le- it's less that it's more just like, I don't like, there is a very, if, if things go well, hindsight always is this way. Like if this is an awesome card, cool. A lot of people say that you never know until they fight them. That crowd's been pretty quiet. Uh, the last few fight nights, I'll just throw out there. Hadn't been a lot of dudes coming into the DMS be like, told you certain shit on this card. It was awesome. There is a very real world where all of these old people look really old. And this fight card is maybe not as like decision heavy, boring as it is just like sad to be like, Ooh, another old guy just looking old in there. And just let's, Ooh, I'm glad we just watched Darren Elkins look real old. Now we get to see Michael Johnson. <laughs> he probably looks like a spry young pup. Like there is a world where this is. And then after that's Clay Guida. There is a middle stretch here where that can go bad in like a very bad way is all I'm saying. Uh, I was saying before the combined fights of the the four names. I just meant the, the older, older fighters that will say uh, Elkins, Johnson, Guida, Angela Hill, 110 UFC fights. And that's, that's all not back even, to back to back to back. And that's all back to back. And that's not even, so that's not counting RDA. If you throw an RDA, that's 142 fights going into, uh, 142 combined UFC fights going into Saturday's card uh, between just those five names. I think that is to be admired and excited about. Um, but to your point, Jet, I will say, you were you you and you said it was New York Rick that that kind of Ricky is the one brought who brought this down. Who, yeah, who said it, and then I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. You you guys both have a good sense of history, and uh, this morning Jose and I were talking about the, oh, what, like the you know what were the previous Orlando cards like? So this is pretty comparable, I think, to the last time they went there. This was four years ago, February twenty eighteen. Um, Jeremy Stevens, Josh Emmett headliner, Jessica Andrade is on there, Elio Latifi, uh, Max Griffin versus Mike Perry. So like I think Orlando's a bit above this Orlando card is a bit above the twenty eighteen one, but the twenty fifteen one was a USC on Fox event was insanely loaded um headlined by a title fight back when they did that sort of thing for uh, fight nights uh or i guess it was technically not a fight night a ufc on fox card and they were they were i mean they're really they put a lot of big fights on fox rda 
speak of the devil, uh, defended his title against Donald Cerrone, his only successful title defense. Alistair Overeem versus JDS in the co-main. You you might remember Nate Diaz beating Michael Johnson, cutting a little promo after. Uh, That was uh, that, you know, that that little footnote from the card. And then some of the other names, uh, Charles Oliveira was in the prelim headliner fighting Miles Jury. Valentina Shevchenko made her UFC debut against Sarah Kaufman on short notice. This is the prelims, by the way. Fox Sports. This is on Fox Sports 1. And then on the UFC Fight Pass prelims, Francis Ngannou opened the card. His UFC debut, I believe, as well uh, against Luis Henrique. Uh, second round knockout. And then uh, the, the UFC Fight Pass prelim headliner, a little match of uh, welterweights. Kamaru Usman versus Leon Edwards. This is on a U. This is a free card. Once upon a time, this is, two, hey. this is three Orlando cards ago, or two Orlando cards ago. Excuse me. Wow, uh, the times have changed. The times have changed. So <laughs> when you put it that way, <laughs> I could see how you're saying maybe we're you know uh, relatively speaking we're, we're we're looking at this card in in a high light. But boy, compared to that card, if we knew how what some of those people would become, unbelievable card. I'm trying to find it. I can't remember who, and I don't remember exactly the stat. Somebody posted on Twitter earlier this week that like, and this is entirely off the cuff, and I may be misremembering the exact number, so don't hold me to it while I look for this, that this card features like four people in the top 10 of most head strikes absorbed inside the (laughs) UFC. And that is probably not a stat that's good. I'm just just throwing, I'm going to continue looking to see who, who said it, if it was like Paul Gift or Eric or, or something like that. But assuming that that is true, and I didn't just totally like dream this into reality, that might not be the best thing, is all I'm saying. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's talk about this main <laughs> event tomorrow. AK, we'll start with you. Steven Thompson versus Kevin Holland and Wonder Boy in a lot of people's eyes around two years ago was maybe one went away from a title shot because Kamar Usman was sort of running out of possible names to fight, but obviously tough 2021 for him. Oh, and two, two decision losses, one to Gilbert Burns, one to Bilal Muhammad, two of the best in this division. And now he's facing Kevin Holland who moved back to 170, did so for the first time in the UFC, won his first two fights was supposed to fight Daniel Rodriguez in September at UFC 279 ends up fighting Hamzat Shamayev on a little over a day's notice and try as he did to escape the clutches of one Hamzat Shamayev. He gets submitted in the first round, retired for a cup of coffee, and ended his retirement after said cup of coffee after getting this opportunity with Wonderboy. So we're a little over 24 hours away, AK. Thoughts on this main event? I love it. I, 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 Kevin Holland's whole you know faux retirement was, was a bit silly. Um, but if he actually was, you know, waiting for the right matchup to bring him back, this was, this was a good one. I mean, this, uh, wonder boy is a guy who a lot of welterweights have sort of been, I think, um, welterweights outside of the top 10 have been trying to get their hands on. He has so much name value. Let's be honest. He's getting a bit up there in age. He's 39. Now he turns 40 in February. So if you're an up and comer at 170, you see him as, as, as a bit ripe for the picking, um, that hasn't worked out for everyone. Uh, it didn't work out for Jeff Neal. It didn't work out for Vicente Luque. Uh, when we as when we get to the breakdown, we'll kind of see why it might not work out for Kevin Holland. Um, but Gilbert Burns, Bilal Muhammad, they solved the Wonderboy puzzle, so it's doable. There's a very specific way you have to fight him to do it, but uh, and a skill set you have to have to do it. 
Um, but I, I, I like the thought here. I, I like it both. Also, and I like it for Steven Thompson as well because Kevin Holland is a name. He was a name at middleweight, a top 10 guy at middleweight. Looks like he's poised to be a top 10 guy at welterweight. Again, that whole comms, that thing, I think we just kind of write it off. He wasn't supposed to be fighting him in the first place. Um, and, uh, you know, credit for him for even taking it. Uh, so I, I like it for Steven Thompson to kind of, we, as, as one of those gauges, to see how much he has left because that that is one of the themes of this card is we're going to kind of be looking, I think, at a lot of these fighters and wondering how much we have left. I, think we, I hate to keep harping on like the age and experience thing, but that is kind of, and we're talking about a Florida card here. If you want to make a Florida retirement gag, by all means, have at it. I'm above that sort of thing. I wouldn't do it. Uh, but I'm just saying that this is a, 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 a certainly a notable litmus test for, for Stephen Thompson for us to know of, uh, how much he has left because he told our own Damon Martin on fighter versus writer this week that he's not looking for like legacy fights and things like that. He still wants to be in the title mix. And if he beats Holland, it keeps those flames flickering just enough. Jed, we, we talked about this fight a little bit on BTL, but when you break this one down, a lot of people feel like if Kevin Holland becomes D one trailblazer, he could win this fight rather easily. And I'm not completely sure I, I agree with that because I know Wonderboy had a tough time staying upright against Burns and Muhammad, but he's not fighting Burns or Muhammad here because Holland's not a gigantic wrestling threat. It's there to some extent, but despite what happened the last two fights, I looked this up earlier, he still has a 67% takedown defense throughout his mm -hmm. career. And that is on top of being taken down 10 times in his last two fights. Outside of those two fights, Matt Brown got him five times. That was a second UFC fight. Woodley got him down once in each of their title fights. Besides that, fighters 0 for 16 in takedown attempts against Wonderboy. And that includes guys like Rory McDonald and Johnny Hendricks. And you could throw some others in there as well. I feel like his takedown defense at this point, kind of not getting the respect it deserves. Plus, I don't think this one's, I don't think Kevin's going to shoot for a lot of takedowns. I, I just don't. When he, when a guy like Kevin Holland says, dude, I ain't, I'm not going to shoot any takedowns. I believe him for the most part. He's pretty unpredictable because he's Kevin freaking Holland. It's really hard to break down his fights, but is that how you view it as well? Like if Kevin Holland decides to shoot a bunch of takedowns that he's just going to win a 50, 45 decision here. Probably not. Uh, I think that would be bad for him. Frankly, you gotta you dance with the girl who brought you. It's I, I talk about it a lot. It is incredibly rare for fighters to be able to fight against type and have success. I can think of maybe a handful of times that that has ever like worked, and you have to really be elite or have it has to have been like a focused and committed thing. And that's just not because it's impossible. Talked about the other one, Tiago Santos, his his most recent fight against Jamal Hill, like. He was winning that fight and he was losing that war the whole time because he's not a wrestler. It's not what he does. And so he can maybe learn to feign it or be good enough at it, but it, he is not conditioned for that. He is not prepared to fight that kind of fight over 25 minutes and against real, like real legitimate resistance. And so he is just, he is winning moments and sacrificing everything else about his game and it's eventually the bill comes due and like you can, you can succeed that way in a short term, but in a five round fight, frankly, I don't even know if Kevin Holland's good enough wrestler to take Steven Thompson down. Steven Thompson is a perfectly fine defensive wrestler. Yes. Bilal Muhammad took him down at will. I don't know if you guys know this, uh, Bilal's pretty damn good. 
that just is that's just it like that's the truth of the matter ball is quite good and he's quite good at that aspect of mma this is if kevin Holland wants to mix those in i think that's a good idea doing some of everything is always a good idea and if he just finds that stephen thompson falls over with the lightest touch or gust of wind then sure like stephen thompson provides zero threat off his back so if you can just knee tap him five times go for it I think that he's not going to have that level of success with that. And frankly, his best path to victory still probably is just punching Stephen Thompson really hard in the face. Because Kevin Holland punches people pretty hard in the face. Stephen Thompson is 57 years old, and that's just it. And he hasn't looked like he takes shots as well as he once did because he's been fighting for a long time. And this is just his style is not going to age well. I still think because he showed some like his losses to Gilbert Burns and Bilal Muhammad aren't as bad as you remember them. They go rewatch them. They're not good, but they're not good specifically in the wrestling. The rest of it's fine. Like he's still there. His style is uniquely poorly suited to aging because it relies a lot on timing speed and quick twitch muscles. And those are the things that go away as you get older. And that's where he's going to struggle. We haven't seen a ton of it yet. He has maybe lost a little bit, but there's a there's a big room to fall. I don't know if this is going to be the fight that does it or not, but it is as likely to me that Kevin just punches him in the face because Wonder Boy gets out over his skis a little bit. He misjudges the distance a little bit. Kevin's just a little too fast for Steven's karate bouncing things to work and he can just catch him, and then that's the end of the fight, than it is for Kevin to become George St. Pierre and just hold Stephen Thompson down for 25 minutes. AK, what's the big intangible, the big question for either guy in this one? Man, I, I don't know if it's an intangible because we keep Judd and I keep bringing it up. It's just the age factor. It's just like... And, and Judd just said, like, you know, Wonderboy didn't look that bad in those. I mean, th those were clear losses, you know, to the Muhammad and Burns. And, and the wrestling just, you know, completely outclassed. And once, once, once it got down to the wrestling, he just has no chance there. But in the striking, it's, you know, we know, we know what he does. We know what Stephen Thompson looks like in there. We know what he's supposed to look like, how he's supposed to fight. Um, and he's looked, you know, uh, prior to the Muhammad and Burns fights, looks good. Like those in those, uh, those wins against Neil and Luke. But those were two years ago now. You know, he's two, year, two years older probably two years a little bit slower um i mean age just matters so much in this game and uh, listen people who've been watching the uh the preview shows or uh reading my predictions lately can probably tell like i've been counting out a lot of older fighters uh, frankie edgar of course i said like the same thing like i'm sure frankie will look fine until he gets caught and i'm not by the way this wasn't some like original insight that's pretty much how everyone felt about i think frankie edgar going to that gutierrez fight it's it's he's either going to win a decision or he's going to be winning a decision until he gets knocked out the latter happened and it was pretty rough. Uh, Marlon Marais, another guy, you know, in the, the rematch with Shaman. I think a lot of people we had it in our and we had it in our Slack chat, guys. We were we were watching we were watching the fight and we we're saying, man, it's uh, Marlon's doing really well. He's up two rounds, but this third round, sure enough, third round knockout. Um, it doesn't always go that way, you know. Half and Sao, I think, proved a lot of us wrong. Brilliant performance against Victor Henry. So some people can still hang on. And uh, there's fighters in this card who again we'll talk about later who I think I may they may be older. I'm still picking them to win. But I wonder if Thompson is just is just about to hit that wall. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. I don't know if it's if Kelvin Holland is that dude is the one to 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 kind of make us all realize like oh wow, like Stephen Thompson really is 
39 going on 40, you know, a couple of months away from being 40. Like that's a real thing. Um, I am, I am picking, uh, well, I guess we'll get to our picks, Mike, but I will say like the, the age thing is, I can't even call it intangible. It's very, very, very tangible. And I don't know if uh, I put up a poll. We have 63% picking Holland right now. And I don't know if that's the main reason, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's, uh, if that's why a lot of people were leaning in that direction. Well, the betting odds as we look at them, Kevin Holland minus 175, Stephen Thompson, the underdog at plus 150. So AK, who you got? Yeah, I uh, I got I got to go with Holland. I just think he's either going to catch Wonderboy with something uh, or at least if not to finish him, but damage him um, somewhere in the later rounds. I think we will see like, oh, well, you know, Wonderboy wins the first round. Holland has a lot of trouble figuring him out. I don't know if we mentioned this is, of course, Orlando, not the Apex. Uh, and as Jose confirmed, it's the classic, you know, octagon. So this is the big octagon. Wonderboy going to have a lot of studio space to work with, uh, so to speak. And that makes me even like less sure about picking Holland. But I, again, I'm, I'm erring towards uh, <laughs> sadness here. I, I hate to, I'm the Prince of Positivity, but I just feel like we might get a little bit of a sad result where Wonderboy looks like Wonderboy. And we're all kind of like, oh, maybe he can still, like there are still big fights ahead of him. Um, again, win or lose, there probably still are. Um, but uh, this will, you know, a loss will change kind of the this sort of opponents that we um, that we want to see him fight. So I think Holland does catch him. I don't think he can win a decision, especially since it will primarily be on the feet. I think he's going to catch him on the feet. So it'll be more like the way sort of like Anthony Pettis beat him than say uh, like like a Darren Taylor or something like that. Uh, and that was a terrible fight. I'm not even sure Darren Taylor won, but um, uh, it's KO out of nowhere. I'll go round. I'll go round three. For Holland, Jed, I, I, I would guess you see betting value on Wonder Boy here, because in these types of fights against pretty good strikers without a ton of wrestling, he's done very well. But I know, and you talked about it and alluded to it many times throughout here, the one number that probably concerns you the most is like thirty nine point eight five, which is like the current age of Wonder Boy Thompson right now because he's turning forty in February, but. This is welterweight. It's not bantamweight. Yeah. I mean, we're right around there. I might be a little <laughs> off by a couple of percentage. Points, I think we're but, a point uh, nine by now, I would assume, but good, good math. Yeah. Who wins this one? Uh, I'm going to take Kevin Holland. I, I don't, the more I've thought about this fight, the more I think like Stephen Thompson maybe could be a live dog. I just feel so uncomfortable with that. Given everything. Uh, I do think that, Thompson by decision at plus 400 is pretty good value bet just because he hasn't finished a lot of people lately. And Kevin Holland's a pretty durable dude. So uh, it, it seemed if you're going to bet Steven Thompson, just go ahead and bet him by decision. I, I'd be pretty surprised if he won by any other result. I can't, you know, AK said that, you know, maybe age is, is the big factor for like why are the poll says 60 it's a hundred percent the factor like it's one th i i'd feel so confident picking stephen thompson if we got to teleport in stephen thompson from five years ago like six years ago in here because it would just be a brutally bad style matchup for kevin holland um because stephen thompson doesn't really lose these kinds of fights but now i it's this is 25 minutes and one guy is more is a better finisher and I historically favor those people in 25-minute fights, and I'm going to stick with it here. I think Kevin Holland just finds a shot at some point. Uh, did AK say third round? Because that's kind of what I'm feeling too. Yeah, he said second or third round. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm feeling three or four 
Um, I think the first, I think the first eight minutes at least are going to look pretty good for, for Steven Thompson. And then he's just, I think Kevin Holland will find a way to, to land a big shot. So I, I'll go third, but third or fourth. This is an interesting fight because both guys are very durable. Both guys have plenty of main event experience. This one screams decision to me, but the more I've thought about it, the more I think Kevin could catch him. It could be one of those situations, kind of like the Anthony Pettis fight where Steven looks fantastic. Yeah, Steven looks really good and then just gets drilled and the fight's over. Dude, that fight was ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, I've, I've just been back and forth on it. And when I'm back and forth, then I typically go the, hey, someone handed me $20 that I can only bet on odds. So I'm going to go with the perceived value here and lean Wonderboy via decision for that exact reason that Jed presented. But I'm not confident in the pick. It's very difficult to predict any fight Kevin Holland is in, honestly. But I think Wonderboy, he's, listen, I'm not comparing him to Alexander Volkanovsky. Volkanovsky's in-fight adjustments are about as good as I've ever seen. Wonderboy's are pretty damn good too. The longer the fight goes, he adjusts as the fight goes. So if he can make it into the third round, if he can not get caught early, if he can find his way into the championship rounds, he's not just getting killed over three rounds. I think Thompson by decision is, is a pretty live bet. So give me that. I don't have a ton of confidence in either guy, honestly, because I just don't know what the hell we're going to get tomorrow, especially with Kevin Holland involved. So give me wonder boy by decision, but that's, it's a coin flip for me. That's a flip of the coin. It landed on tails and tails supposedly never fails. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Co-made event, Rafael Dos Anjos versus Brian Barberina. Jed, I know RDA has said he just wants fun, exciting fights moving forward. He wants big names. And yes, Bam Bam Barberina is on So nice Barberina. 
But this one, I just, I didn't expect it to be made. I really didn't. When I saw the poster, we confirmed, I was like, oh, okay, this is happening. It could be fun, but your thoughts, your prediction for this one, because RDA, biggest favorite on the card, minus 560. Bam Bam, biggest underdog on the card, plus 430. It's weird as hell. I don't really understand it. Um, and if you can tell, I'm not like that enthused <laughs> about it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if that came across from a big, <laughs> entirely real yawn. That was not faked. It's just like I don't. Like, what are we doing here? Like, I don't believe the RDA is one of the top ten lightweights in the world, but he is number seven in the UFC's lightweight rankings, and he's now fighting an unranked welterweight. Again, not a, even a guy who matters. And that is not meant to be disrespectful to Brian Barberina, who is a fun as hell fighter. Love watching the guy scrap. I will always tune in when, when Bam Bam's going at it. But like, what who what does this fight do? Who is this fight for? Are we just going to roll out every octogenarian for Brian Barberina to fight? Is that his lot in life? This man's 32. It doesn't seem like it because he only fights old people. And so you expect him to be old too. But like... Why, what are we doing here? I think he's going to lose, by the way, but it's just like, what What does this do for RDA other than it's a winnable fight? And it uh, it means he doesn't have to fight Matush Gamrod or Armin Sarukian. If you don't want to do that, then just be a welterweight. Like, you can just stay at welterweight and not be a lightweight. Like, that's fine. But, like, what, I this is just a, like, it's fine, I guess. It's a fight, sure. It's, it might be, it's not going to be fun because RDA is going to do RDA things. So it's going to be efficient and not like the most interesting thing I've ever watched in my life. I just don't know what the hell we're doing here. Like it means the you, you want RDA is in a weird career position because you want guys at his stage to be doing one of two things. One, making a final late life title push or late MMA career title push or doing the circuit, you know, just fighting the other guys, Robbie Lawler versus RDA and RDA versus frankly, RDA versus freaking Steven Thompson is like a more compelling and useful matchup in this regard. Brian Barberena may might get ranked at welterweight from this win. Like, I, I don't know, but like, it's did, do any of us believe that? Like if he went, if he beats RDA, hey, do any of us believe he is a top 15 welterweight or he's going on a run? No. So I just don't know. I don't know who this is for other than to spin the wheels and keep busy. Like we could do other things with RDA. We could do other things with Brian Barberina. And this isn't even fun Barberina fight. It's like the other trash of it. Put him in with somebody who's going to chuck him. RDA is going to walk him down, pressure him, rip body kicks like into the liver and take him down. Like it's not, we're not even going to get a fun Bam Bam fight. This is just is, this is like one of my least favorite fights on the card, for being honest. AK, you're the Prince of Positivity. Are you, are you a Damn. little more positive about this fight? Uh, I mean, Jed is 100% correct that there's no real, if we're, if we're talking about like contender rankings, implications, there's no real value here. Um, but but I, I've said about many fight nights, like that that is not my number one priority. Now, when you're talking about a legend like RDA, I I, I get the frustration with kind of throwing him into pointless fights. I, I've said things like that about like Jose Aldo, Dominic Cruz. You you do hope that however many fights these guys have left, these former champions, these recognizable names, that like there's at least some like some kind of weight, some kind of stakes. But 
I, I'm kind of okay for this for RDA as like this like stay busy fight because I think very much like that's all he wants to do. He's just trying to keep cashing them checks, you know. He's trying to keep cashing those show that show money. If the odds are right, he'll be he'll, he'll be finding himself with some uh, with Cash some win check money is too. Neil Magny. That's, that's a much tougher fight. That's a much tougher fight than Brian Barberina. Yeah, I, but that's at least a fight that, like, when we look back on the career of, of RDA, this is going to be one of those weird ones where it's like, look, for a decade plus, this mother effort, he fought a who's who, and then he fought Brian Barberina at one point. But everybody else he fought was freaking yeah, hitters, you know what, and you then know there's what, Barberina. Like, you know what, what RDA is, doing, you know what RDA is going to remember? The win bonus that he picked up to, on Saturday. Like, he's not... I get it. Legacy is cool. Legacy doesn't feed the bulldog, you know? I mean, um, I'm fine with it from his... Again, yeah. I'm always fine from his perspective. You take the easiest fight for the most money. Mm-hmm. That's prize fighting 101. Learn something, Aljo. Yeah. Why did the UFC but, do this? <laughs> but why did the UFC do this? Like, what the hell? Who gives I, a shit? I and do why think, is this well, my co-main? Because I I, I, I I, like kind of the legend killer narrative that Brian Barberino, maybe intentionally or not, is putting together. Like the Matt Brown, Matt Brown, I, I would consider a legend. I know not a UFC champion. I could call him a legend. Uh, Robbie Lawler, UFC champion. And now he gets to fight a UFC lightweight champion, former champion. So there's like some narrative there for Barbarina, some narrative sense. Uh, Before those two fights, yeah. he fought, he beat Darian Weeks. And like, lost and lost to Jason Witt. Yeah. Like, but, come on. What are we hey, doing listen, this here? is what's great about MMA. Every every run of fights is a chance to recreate your narrative. I mean, Jorge Masvidal is the biggest example of that, right? He went in a two, three fight run and suddenly he's like one of the biggest stars in the history of MMA. Like, how did that, how the hell did that happen? I'm not saying that's what Barbarina is doing here. I wouldn't put this run of Matt Brown, Robbie because Ben Askren like, is the pox of this sport. That's how it happened. Listen, that's still, every. It is I'm all saying, Ben Askren's fault. MMA is the ultimate. What have you done for me lately? Thing. So people won't remember the loss to Jason Witt. Uh, they're gonna remember. Oh, the loss oh, wow. to Leon or sure. Colby. Or hey, those are at least big names. The but they're other also gonna, good they're fighters. Also, every good fighter he's ever fought. <laughs> but they're also gonna remember. Wow, he beat Matt Brown, Robbie Lawler, and RDA like in a row. Like if, he, if he beats RDA, I don't think he's going to. But he, if he did, that would look nice. He beat looks nice on resume. I am not willing to say that he beat Matt Brown or Robbie Lawler. He beat old Matt Brown and old Robbie There's, Lawler. Hey, listen, they're in there. The, the, I, the, the I want to draw a very clear The Wikipedia entry doesn't say the age of the fighter when they fought him. It's just the name. It's there. I'm Look, just saying. you are all the way correct. But everybody, Mike, you play golf. There's a difference between you hitting like a pure iron onto the green and you sculling one and it hitting a tree and hitting the green. Sure, you got there the same way, but like we all know what happened here. We all know. W is a W. W is a W. I think Bam Bam versus Rory Masvidal. That's a way more fun. (laughs) And that could still happen someday. And just like RDA could still fight Neil Magny someday. Like this fight does not get in the way of either of these guys having more meaningful fights in the future. RDA just simply doesn't want to fight like Demiris Ismulov or Jalen Turner. Or all shouldn't. the hitters at lightweight. And he shouldn't. Just keep cashing those checks, RDA. You do you. I'm going to drop him out of my rankings. I've made the decision right now. <laughs> as is your as is your God-given I'm, right. I'm, I'm as done an American. As I'm done with God-given him. right. Every American <laughs> is allowed to rank however they want. That's right. That I'm is the him. beauty of the country that you live in. I think Brian will be game. I think he'll be tough. I think he will uh, actually get a lot more respect in this fight. But it's not going to be like the respect... It's going to be a different kind of respect. We're just like, damn, this guy's really, really tough. Man, that guy can take an ass beating. Yeah, it's going to kind of be one of those fights because RDA is... It's going to be the Moicano treatment. Man, that guy can take an ass beating. All right. Bam Bam's going to get some heart points, but I think just 
RDA. I hope he wins. He's a crafty veteran. It'll be I a clear cut decision. Might even be fighting tonight at the end because of the toughness displayed by Brian Barberina. And the UFC likes to reward toughness in these types of situations. We also have Mateus Nicolau versus the now bald Matt Schnell, who shaved his head to make 126. Schnell so came wait, out the wild one. Wait, wait, wait a second. You're telling me that you can shave your head and lose a whole half a pound. And this feels relevant. I feel like recently somebody came in a half pound over and didn't make any substantive changes and then still came in a half pound over. And like a lot of people, maybe some people on this program were very defensive about, well, we shouldn't strip the title, blah, blah, blah. Am I, am I misremembering something entirely about, about that and how, Oh, look, this guy found a way to cut half a pound. He just cut his hair off. Look at that. Jed, where do these weigh-ins take place today? Uh, I assume Orlando, but Orlando, I Florida. have no idea. Uh, there, listen, I don't know what was going on. But listen, that, that Charles Vera. Is Orlando, is Orlando warmer than, no, than Abu Dhabi? Get, I, get a better sweat in Orlando listen, than I don't in Abu like Dhabi? To, I don't, no, I don't like to call out officials, but this guy. Phoenix, Phoenix. Yeah, Phoenix was for was for Charles Oliveira. Oh, yeah. it was Phoenix. Okay. But listen, That's the right. guy Abu Dhabi's where he lost to Islam. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, the guy who also was, was doing the weigh-ins in Orlando today was kind of doing it Vegas style a little bit. He wasn't quite not quite as quickly. He wasn't quite doing just like the gla- the glance and bang, but there was a bit of like you know it's it's there was a, there was a bit of like a yeah okay like mm, it's okay. close enough, which is how weigh-ins should be done. I mean, all I'm we, saying is one of these we men quibble over ounces. One of these men did everything within his power to lose that half a pound and the other didn't. And I would also say and one of those had a lot more to lose. And you would on. think that the guy who had a lot more to lose would have been the guy who did everything he could. YouTube commenters back me up on this, back me up on this. I would also say Matt Schnell has more hair than Charles Oliver. I'm not confident. I think, I think I'm not, I'm not like a, a bit more on the head. I mean, it's not, he doesn't have like super long hair. He's had longer hair in the past. I think he doesn't like super long hair. He's a little more hair. And as New York Rick pointed out to me, and I'm just so furious myself, I did not put this in the headline when I wrote this up. He shaved his body. Uh, Charles Oliveira, I think, is pretty hairless. That that I'm confident about. Charles Oliveira is pretty hairless. Meshnell seems to have shaved his entire body. Uh, I don't know every part of his body, but I'm, he did shave. Uh, <laughs> that might not have been an option for Charles Oliveira. I'm all I'm saying. hearing is Meshnell wanted it more. That's all I'm hearing. Listen, I don't, I just, I want to applaud Meshnell. Meshnell did a fantastic job making away. I just don't think this reinforces whatever, whatever agenda it is that you are trying to, to push here today, sir. I'm just saying, make the weight, find you a know, way. You know, what was great about the scale commission or compared to the Vegas one, the Vegas one slams it. He's already yelling the weight as he's walking away. <laughs> this guy I like if you had the closed captioning on the MMA fighting way in stream, you could actually see what the weight was before he said it because he would slam the thing. He'd like run a lap around the room before he actually announced the weight. I knew Matt Schnell made 126 about eight seconds before he actually said it on the stream. That's how it was for me. So very, very interesting stuff. Guy got his steps in that's for sure. But uh, I'm bringing this fight up, Jed flyweight under. This is a flyweight under, right? Oh, we're, it's for, it's for sure. Well, it. since he made the weight, it is still a flyweight under. So, yes. Um, and if you live in America, you can do that. Canada, 
you guys are having some struggles uh, with with the whole betting on did, UFC. Did you, did you see this? Days. Just came. What sure just came did. In? Just see the thing as we're recording the this show. As we're recording the show, Canada, you guys are uh, taking the threat of of uh, chicanery very uh, seriously. It would appear the lovely the lovely province of Alberta has now also has followed in, uh, the Ontario Commission's uh, footsteps and now is also banning UFC wagers. So there you go. That's the thing. Thanks. Well, shout, out you, Aaron, shout out to Aaron Bronstetter for tweeting that one out. Shout out to Aaron. Uh, if you're in Canada and not in one of those two provinces, uh, then, you know, flyweight unders, baby, always. Always the flyweight unders. Matt Schnell is the king of, of flyweight unders. So I know that Mateus Nicolau is not really. He's actually pretty anathema to everything we stand for in the, in the flyweight under business, but we believe enough in Matt Schnell to either get or get got uh, before the 12 and a half minute mark. Yeah, geez, Louise, this betting thing is unbelievable. Um, it's speaking of electric become bets, my least favorite story in the world. Yeah, speaking of electric bets, let's talk about one more main card. The, the heavyweights, Sergey Pavlovich versus Tai Tuivasa. AK, you can say what you want about Tai Tuivasa, but this man is not getting any easy outs these days. That's for sure because Pavlovich has looked fantastic lately. Tuivasa. Gave Cyril Gunn everything the man could handle and defeat. But I freaking love this fight, AK. I love it. What are your thoughts? I love it. It has to be done. It has to be done. Uh, Tadu Avasa, you know, I, I'm glad he got his uh, his shot at, at, at his fight with Cyril Gunn. Happy. Happy how it turned out. I mean, I would have liked to have seen a tie win. But um, I do think he silenced a lot of the doubters. Some people thought he couldn't even hang with a guy like Cyril Gunn. So that was exciting. Uh, and now if he's, you know, going to get back in that telepicture, he does have to fight his way up. So if anything, it's a good thing. They've given him another guy who, I mean, I don't know how you guys ranked him, but I kind of, you know, I, I thought the stoppage of Derek Lewis was legit. I certainly gave him the Derek Lewis's spot. So he's top five, top six in my ranking. So this is how it's got to be. Um, someone's, got, someone's going to sleep. You know, this is why you make these heavyweight matchups. Uh, other than like an aberration, like what happened with, you know, like Derek Lewis and Nganu, um, this is one of those guarantees. They're going to they're gonna slug or Tuivasa is going to drag him to a slug at some point. Um, and some, someone is getting put down hard. I'm a little surprised they didn't make this the co-main. Um, I do, I guess RDA, former UFC champion, but the name and the name value. But as Jed kind of pointed out, like it's so low stakes you wonder why they wouldn't put two heavyweight contenders in the co-main. And, and the UFC, if anything, loves putting heavyweights high in a card, um, often undeservedly. These are two heavyweights who do deserve having a co-main billing and are for some reason fourth from the top. Um, but again, how can I complain? They're giving respect to flyweights, giving respect to RDA. Just a, just a little, weird little note, that's all. Jed, how do you view this one technically? And from a betting perspective, because something tells me... <laughs> <laughs> something tells me you see Tai Tuivasa at a near plus 200. You're giving this more than a look, right? Love it. Love it all day. I don't, this is, there are two fights on this card that I don't understand the betting lines for. Uh, and this is one of them. Like I, I want someone to explain it to me. Like I'm a, like a Labrador. Cause I genuinely can't figure out why sir. Sergey Pavlovich is, has a string of first round knockouts. Great. And I, Cool. Probably a top 10 heavyweight. Hits really hard. Ty, Ty to evolve. Like, have, have we not been paying attention to what Ty's been doing? Like, nope. There is not a soul alive, save maybe Francis Ngannou. And I'm not even sure that that is technically true. That hits harder than Derek Lewis. Ty to just 
just ate them. He ate those big lunch boxes. I mean, he, he got hurt because that's your, he's getting the force of the Mack truck to the jaw, but he was, he survived and then threw back. I, my technical breakdown of this fight goes exactly like this. They are both going to hit each other very, very hard. I know with absolute certainty that Tai Tuivasa can eat one of the shots from Sergei Pavlovich and still keep going. I have no idea if Sergei Pavlovich can do the same. Old ass Alistair Overeem beat him not that long ago. Like, I don't, there's no world where Ty shouldn't be the favorite, particularly coming off the Cyril Gaon loss. Like, that loss meant more to me than any of Ty's wins, frankly. It was an unbelievable performance from him. And I am astonished that he is not the, the betting favorite. So I for sure have a bet on, on Ty because I'm, a, I'm a, a simpleton and a fool. I also parlayed Ty with uh, the aforementioned Brian Barbarena for the Bam Bam Parlay, um, which Brian is going to be the one who ruins that parlay almost assuredly. But it would be cool if like something wacky happens and I can just shout Bam Bam the whole time. Tomorrow will be a dope. So, yeah, uh, that's the technical breakdown. They're both going to swing. One of them is going to fall down, and I know that Ty has a good chin, and I am not as – like, it, maybe Sergey does. We just don't know it yet. So I'm going to go with the proven chin commodity over the other one. We did have one hiccup on the scale, gentlemen. Phil Rowe missed weight by two and a half pounds. Oh, the no. large, large Walter Waits. So that is a catchweight bout with Nico Price. Nico Price returns from some serious knee issues, and we'll get 30% of Phil Rose purse. So the Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning Bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Low-key banger, Jed Bashu, before we take some questions from the peeps. Um, I don't that's hard to call that a low-key banger just because it's the prelim main. Um, give me Marcelo Rojo, Francis Marshall. Um, because that fight's just gonna be fun. Uh Francis Marshall, he's six no prospect, undefeated Amy career. He's 23. He's looked pretty good in his early debut. I mean, not great. He's still young, he still has a lot to learn and develop, but you can see some tools there, uh, and it maybe is a touch early for him to be in the UFC, but it's fine. Like that's sort of just the the business model at this point for them. And Marcelo Rojo, man, talked about on No Bets Bard. This guy, whoo, there is. We talk about Matt Schnell just not enjoying judges. Man doesn't like him, hates him. You know who else? Marcelo Rojo. The last confirmed time Marcelo Rojo went to a decision was in 2012. Now, I can say confirmed because there were some fights on like the super regional circuit after that where I it just is a win-loss, so I'm not really sure the method per topology. But it seems reasonably likely that for a decade, this guy is, gonna, is getting or he's getting got. And 
God, I love that. Uh, I think he's going to get got. Like, so uh, the fight's probably going to be really fun. You get a young prospect uh, putting in a position to excel against a guy who is very excelable against. AK, what do you got? Uh, I mean, I can't uh, – listen, Darren Elkins on the card. I think that's always a good answer, Darren Elkins versus Jonathan Pierce. I, I like Jonathan Pierce a lot too. Um, this is one of those Darren Elkins fights where I would imagine he is the underdog. By a substantial amount. He's by a substantial biggest, amount. Second right? biggest underdog on the card behind, behind uh, Barbarina. We've seen the damage be in that position. And make no mistake, Jonathan Pierce is going to damage him real bad. Um, but I also <laughs> can see Darren Elkins just reaching down and not necessarily coming back for a win, but making it a fight. Hells yeah, he's going to make it a fight. So, uh, listen, Elkins is just a classic. Uh, I got to read off some Elkins stuff here. Twenty. So this is twenty seventh UFC appearance. Uh, his twenty fifth at featherweight, extending his record for the most uh, featherweight appearances in the UFC. He's close behind Max Holloway for the most uh, wins at featherweight. Max Holloway has eighteen. I think he's just two behind, if I'm not mistaken. And everyone knows, uh, you know, third round Elkins is, is right up there with like third round Romero. He just becomes a different beast. And unless Jonathan Pierce can put him away, which would be, you know, exciting and compelling in its own right, then you know you're going to get something good uh, in the final five minutes. So uh, I'm very comfortable picking Elkins and Pierce as a low key banger. Angel Hill, Emily Ducote is going to be good. Big fight for both ladies. Like that one. It's probably going the full 15. I'm excited to see what Yasmin Yaragai can do or Yeragi, whatever it is. Um, she looked real good in her first UFC fight. She's getting a, a tailor-made matchup, if you will. So she should probably style again. Maybe we have another uh, Natalia Silva type situation where she goes in there and just one-ups what she did the first time out. So looking forward to seeing that. And I believe this will be the final fight for Scotty Holtzman as well against Clay Guida. So, so is this his retirement fight? I believe it is. Well, they're giving him a really winnable fight. <laughs> it's the other fight that I don't understand the betting line on. Holtzman's like a moderate favorite. Clay Guida is washed and has been for years. Holtzman's like old, but he's not like it's minus 175. It's been coming down, but like earlier this week, he was like minus 150. I'm just like, why? Clay Guida hasn't looked good in years. Scott Holtzman was like, Having fun with Benny Darius, who's at worst the fourth best lightweight in the world. So I don't understand this line either. All right. So if you got questions, get them in there. We got like eight more minutes because the ceremonial weigh-ins for UFC Orlando coming up at the top of the hour. Uh, we'll start with Joseph Boza. Can Kevin Holland throw the welterweight divisional rankings into a state of chaos with the win? Wonderboy ranked number six in the official UFC rankings. So AK... They're what a state are of chaos. Yeah, I mean it's not the rankings that matter, but what, what state are state of chaos? AK, are we? Are we I are don't we going think that it, far? Uh, thank you for the question, Joseph Boza. It doesn't throw it to any kind of chaos. I don't think all that would happen is because uh, Kevin Holland is uh, isn't he not in the UFC rankings? I guess not. No, he's not in the UFC. He's not. He's he a, will he's be a, if he wins his fight. He's a far in our rankings, so he's he's he's. Got I have him ranked eleven. You have him eleven, so he's on a, he's on a couple. Of thousand. highest on him. Yeah, Jed Mashu, one of them. Uh, he's uh, Stephen Thompson is tenth in the MMA fighting global rankings. I don't even have Thompson ranked. <laughs> uh, so yeah, and, and he's he feels like he's kind of sliding on his way out. He's coming off two straight losses. So no, if anything, 
a win for um, for Holland would just kind of really continue this arc for both men. Thompson would keep sliding out of the top 10, possibly out of the rankings altogether. Holland would get a number next to his name, which again, um, a couple of our panelists haven't already. I would imagine some of the people, whoever they are that vote for the um, UFC rankings also probably have Holland, Holland somewhere 15, 14, 13. So no, nothing, nothing too crazy. It'll be, it'll be great for Holland's career. Um, huge name to have in his resume. His first big, oh, I should, well, no, no disrespect to means, but like his first, real kind of what marquee name win at um at 170 so yeah it's big and in a main event uh in in a, in a card that's close to the end of the year on a, on a stacked card which i think is going to have a decent amount of eyeballs on it um yeah so it's, a, it's an important win but nothing nothing that's going to cause anything too crazy yeah i mean chaos, frankly yeah chaos no say, yeah frankly tonight's fight is probably more likely to shake up the rankings than kevin holland if roberto sold it shit no no oh, sold it yeah yeah, Soldich just. Oh, by the on... way, Roberto Soldich is fighting. I don't know if you know this. One championship certainly hasn't told anybody yeah. about this, but Roberto Soldich is making his debut tonight for one. He's against eleven and zero Murad Ramazanov. Um, that was bad, but yeah, eleven and zero, good fighter. Roberto Soldich rules. He's, I have him ranked. I think most of us have him ranked at this point now. Yeah, not everybody though, and I think if he wins this, he's gonna. To hop into the pretty conclusively in the top 15. I think the winner of this fight's probably gonna fight like Michael Chiesa next. That's what I think is gonna happen. I don't think there'll be any sort of chaos. No one's like jumping into a top five spot or anything like that. Um yeah, that's probably what we're gonna get. That'd be my guess. Uh what would you do with the winner Bam Bam versus Sergey Pavlovich considering the state of the heavyweight division? So I feel like Jed, and I'll start with you on this one. I feel like at least for relevancy right now, I think Ty needs this one more because I think he could slide right into the title discussion if he wins this fight, which in Pavlovich, I think he's going to have a road ahead of him no matter what happens here. I just don't know. Ty's very marketable. Yeah, he's coming off a loss to Cyril Ghosn, but he becomes sort of on that short list. Nganu, Jones, Ghosn, blades and if like something happens with one of those guys ty slides right in that's kind of how i feel about it but i feel like a loss doesn't crush ty but if he wants to get but i think a win is going to do more for him than it will for sergey if that makes sense Mm, i'm not sure i agree i I don't think a loss crushes him because he's markably still relatively young right uh i think i think a win for sergey is pretty big because it gives him a it, it gives him a marquee win, which he is. I mean, yeah, he beat Derek Lewis, but fight was a little weird, and it's just not. I think he goes out, and if he wins this fight, the way it is going to have to be, will be more impressive. And frankly, at that point, uh, if this dude like I was talking some kind of greasiness about the about the man, but if if his run after losing to old ass Overeem in his UFC debut is five first round knockouts the most recent of which are Ty Tuivasa and Derek Lewis. And then Shamil Abdurakhimov's in there too, who's like a very substantive fighter. That I want him. That man's in my title conversation. Maybe he's not in the real one, but if he goes out here and just bolts up Tuivasa, who nearly bagged up Cyril Gaon earlier this year, like that man's got to be fighting somebody. Like I'm assuming we're going to get Gaon Blades fighting because it looks like we're on track for Ngannou Jones. Gone Blades will be the next one's up. Aspinall is out for however long. And then looking at the UFC's rankings, 
Pavlovich and Tuivasa are four and five. Pavlovich will immediately be four, and then he's got to get somebody next to, or try and try and wiggle his way into that in some way. So I think this is equally as important for both men uh, and probably more important for Pavlovich just because it shortcuts him there, whereas I kind of think win or lose, Ty's going to fight Geyerzinho Rosenstrike next because he doesn't get to be in the title picture because he lost to Gon this year. And Gon is clearly ahead of him as is Curtis Blades. Like that's he's just sort of out of that. So kind of just feels like who would be fun? Jairzinho would be fun as hell. If Jairzinho beats Chris uh Dawkins, which I'm picking him to, though I don't feel wildly confident in that at 282. Uh win or lose, I just just match him up with with Ty because let's have some fun. We'll take two more, AK for you. And I'm gonna add a little caveat to this question. You think Kevin Holland would retire if he loses? Do you think Wonderboy would retire if he loses? Uh, neither. No, I don't think either guy retires. Wonderboy doesn't retire. Wonderboy, I think again, he's serious about you know still contending. And so if he gets if he just gets caught by something, I have a feeling like that that it, it'll only motivate him more to kind of come back because it's the sort of thing he'll be able to talk his way through a loss. You know, like oh man, I was especially if he was winning. You know, again those situations where oh, I was winning, I was I was definitely I was I won the first round. I felt like I was up. You know, through the through the middle of the second round, and then something happened now i don't remember the rest of the fight and or even what happened or the rest of saturday like it feels like something that could happen and he'd be like but we know what kind of adjustments you need to make and i think he has a, a few fights left in him win or lose I, I i do wonder how much how long much longer the ufc will you know want to hang on to him if he can go on to like a sam alvey like seven fight losing streak and still be with the promotion it's possible so i don't think he retires kevin holland if anything, Kevin Holland's more likely to retire and then just go back on it like four months later, depending on what fights the UFC like kind of throws his way. Because uh, uh, none of us, I don't think anybody believes sort of the retirement talk early this year. We all felt he was sort of jockeying for position or just being Kevin Holland. And I don't know if people realize this, like Kevin Holland talks a lot. He talks a lot. He, talks a, he, he says a lot of things. I don't believe it. He says a lot of things. Like he's one of those guys. He's like a he's a volume talker. Um, he's one of those guys who, like, uh, I think most people would consider, would call, like, one of, yeah, no, like, one of the, I, you know, who I, cons- I consider, thing. I consider Israel Adesanya to be the same way as well, and and I know these are guys that people consider to be, like, charismatic, it's like, I don't know if they're charismatic, or they just talk a lot, and then occasionally they land, they land a good one-liner or something, um, and this is strictly talking about their talking, I think, I think Izzy does have a mystique about him, which is, which is, I think, like, very, you know, makes him very intriguing to watch, Holland kind of has that maybe with the vigilante stuff but my point is uh I could absolutely see him winning losing uh or sorry losing if he loses not if he wins but if he loses kind of going like oh well that's it for me again you know I was already having, having thoughts about it earlier this year and now I'm definitely out and then by sometime in 2023 going like oh you know what good fight came up I'm in uh I, I, I'm uh, I am back I'm back again never gone so um neither guy retires but Kevin Holland more likely to fake retire Last question, and I think Omar found out some bad news as the show was going on. Uh, so we'll just leave it at the first half of this. Jed, who has the most pressure to win tomorrow? Um, it's probably Stephen Thompson still. Like, is our RDA can't be in pressure because this fight doesn't mean anything. Like, if he loses, it's bad, but there's – I just – it just seems like it would just be noise at this point because he's clearly not making a dedicated title run anywhere. He's fighting Brian Barbarena. So that doesn't feel like there's pressure here if he does lose, where Steven Thompson still is saying that he 
you know, wants to be, he still has that fire to, to, to be competitive, to chase a championship. So I, I think that it's gotta be him. Yeah. I can't, I can't think of nobody else makes sense. I'm not, I don't feel like the Amanda Hebas one would have been true like at all either. So Omar to your first point, even though that fights off, uh, frankly, really the only person who feels like they have a ton of pressure on them this card is Steven Thompson to me. Um, and maybe Eric Anders. I don't know. Three in a row is pretty tough. But yeah, give me give me Wonder Man. AK. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I was addressing some some message I was getting. Um, work related message. What what was the, what was the question again? Who has the most pressure? Most pressure to win. To win. Or... Oh, like on the, on the whole card. card. On the whole card. Oh, I'm changing my answer, by the way. Who has the most pressure to win? It's hard to answer because I think one of the things I like about this card. No, you know what? No, no, it's obvious. I, I, think total lack I think of Ty. I, 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 I think Ty. I think Ty actually has a ton to lose here. Um, in my preview, that's my predictions that are going to come out on Saturday morning. I think uh, I've kind of talked about how like Ty is in, if anything, in a weird way, he's kind of. Um, took the gatekeeper torch from Derek Lewis when he beat him. I feel like he's where Derek Lewis was like five years ago, uh, where he'll be good enough to beat a lot of the guys, knock out a lot of guys outside the top five, uh, maybe trip into a title shot here and there, but never quite win it all. Um, and for that to be maintained, he doesn't, I don't know if he needs to win, but boy, it would, it would be rough for, for um, Pavlovich to kind of take his top five spot. I think Tuivasa like, needs to hold on to that even if it doesn't necessarily directly lead to a, a title shot in his next fight or even two fights from now because again we talked about some of the big names up there that are kind of holding up those spots um and it would just be bad optically because Tuvas is so highly regarded as just like this knockout artist um jed's right he's kind of being overlooked here the odds are a little bit unfair uh but if the odds were to prove correct and and you know which is and all, a lot of the doubters out there were kind of like yeah tai Tuvasa sort of is who we thought he was a guy who had a hot run it's not really a heavyweight contender this would reinforce a lot of those ideas, fair or otherwise. So I hate to say it because I don't know if I'm reverse jinxing here big time because I'm picking Sergey to win. I'm saying Ty has so much to lose. I just really think it's going to be a rough night for Ty and a, a pretty sour note to end uh, 2022 on. What's your new answer, Jed? It's Michael Johnson. He, If he loses this, he will be 4-11 and 11 in his previous 15 which is bad. Like just there's that's that's bad. So uh you know, maybe from a most to lose standpoint, I think Steven Thompson's still the answer. But if Michael Johnson loses this one, that's it's, like I said, four of eleven four of his last fifteen. He only won four of his last fifteen. Uh he would have lost six of his last seven. Like that's get cut territory. So and get get cut territory where I can't even feel good about him going to the PFL to chase a million dollars, you know, like it's it's just bad for him. So, give me Michael Johnson. So an interesting pick right there. All right, it's coming. There it is. You guys- oh, is it out? Did y'all know that Rug Rug is fighting tonight? Yeah, on the main card yeah, too. That's I how had, you got moved from Saturday. I had no idea until I looked up the one. One, I work in this. This is my job. Yeah. And sure, people can be like, well, Jed, that means you suck at your job. Fair. That might be true. But if it is my job 
And I don't know that Roberto Soldich is fighting tonight or that Ru you guys are up somewhere. Do better. And by the way, Do don't. I watch Thursday listen. night football every freaking week. Do better. And listen, don't blame people. Don't blame MMA fighting. All right. We've we've it, uh, we've had multiple interviews with Soldich. Soldich was on the MMA hour. Uh, Rug 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 Rug. Listen, that's if people go to our front page right now, scroll down a little bit. There's the news. Rug Rug was moved to one on Prime Video Five. So I'm not blaming Jed. I, I like I said, I think we're doing our part. It's the but the the promotion itself is a little bit better. lackluster in kind of getting people to know. So, uh, hey, we try we try to let people know. One championship, maybe. This is, this is Rug Rug. Yeah, Henny and the Hitter going for it. The Rotolo brothers just grappling, folks. Like this is. This is very viewable. Uh, this is very watchable content, and y'all are, are are pitching it to me. Your literal target audience and demographic. Do better. Well said. Uh, well, we will let you know. We'll be back here tomorrow at six thirty Eastern for the People's Pre-Fight Show. Casey will be back as well, so I can just focus on hosting and not producing as well. So we are done. Ceremony of weigh-ins going on right now. I think you can watch them at MMAfighting.com great website and we'll see you tomorrow everybody it's a great ak website. for jed i am mike heck good night everybody i love you guys Listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning Bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.